Thank you for joining us around the fire. For more information or to make a donation, please visit randomactsnetwork.com. Now, want to hear a scary story? Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My mom was watching Jesse, our newborn, and my wife and I were on our way to see a house we hoped to rent. Molly was relocating for work and we didn't have much time to put things in order. I was excited for the change, though a bit hesitant to pack up our lives and move so quickly. The house was brick and fairly nondescript. There were neighbors a couple hundred yards away on each side, close enough to feel suburban, but far enough to feel like everyone has their own space. Molly pulled up and parked along the curb, even though the driveway was clear. We got out of the car, and as we walked toward the house, a tall man with shaggy white hair came out, shielding the sun from his eyes. He was quiet and weak, and his name, he said, was Mr. Hart. He was a little weird, but nice enough that we brushed it off. We toured the home. It was suitable for what we needed, but never something I would have picked out if I had a choice. As we finished the tour, Mr. Hart offered to give us a few minutes alone. Molly had that look in her eyes where I knew her mind was already made. She insisted we should apply. If the approval came through in a week, we'd be able to move right after and she'd only have to commute from our old place for a few days. It did make sense. I agreed and sat in the car while they talked details. When Molly came back, she was beaming. We're already approved. What? He just wants to get rid of the place. He used to live here with his wife, and when she died, he couldn't stay without her. It's so sad, and he hates showing the place. He was practically convincing me that we should take it. I already got him a check. I felt this was kind of odd, but didn't want to rain on the excitement. We were free to move in as early as the next day, and would take care of the paperwork later. When we arrived with our truck, the house key was waiting under the mat. A few days passed and we'd gotten everything in. It was my first time being alone in the house with the baby with Molly at work. The laundry was in the basement and while the baby napped upstairs, I went down to put a load in. The stairs came down in the middle of the basement and then you had to take a sharp turn and walk all the way towards the back to get to the washer and dryer. Above them was this large fluorescent light encased in a red plastic shield and a metal grate. It basically looked like an emergency light. I turned it on and it emitted a deep, monstrous hum. Every corner of the basement illuminated in a ghastly blood-red glow. I couldn't imagine what it was used for, but I certainly didn't need it. I quickly turned it back off and threw the laundry in. As I got to the top of the stairs, I heard a click, followed once again by a deep, familiar hum. I turned around 
and sure enough, the basement was once again glowing red. I took a breath and took the first step, then the next. I probably didn't turn the switch back off all the way, and the vibrations of the laundry pushed the light back on. This logical thought gave me the confidence I needed to round the corner and return to the back of the basement, where I flipped the light back off once again. The humming stopped, and I stood in the quiet glow of a single light bulb at the foot of the stairs. I looked again to the red light and saw it had its own plug. I followed the cord and yanked it from the outlet. As I reached the top of the stairs, I heard the hum again. Pins and needles ran through my entire body. I closed my eyes, took a breath, and turned around. The basement was glowing red. I took one step down. What was I going to do? I took the next. The humming grew louder. I reached the bottom of the staircase and turned towards the light. Just as I confirmed with my eyes that it was still unplugged, it snapped, flickered, and turned off. I stood there for a moment, listening to my own breath. And then, the light came on again. I stepped towards it, and it clicked off. I waited and took another step. It clicked on again. I kept moving across the basement, and the flickering grew faster and faster, the humming louder and louder. The strobing made it almost impossible to see. I reached toward the grating. <gasps> Every light in the basement went out at once. I ran as quickly as I could, smashing into old boxes and furniture as I made my way by the dim light bleeding down the stairs. I climbed up on all fours and slammed the door behind me, trying to catch my breath. I heard the baby crying in his bedroom. When Molly got home, I could tell she didn't believe me, even though she saw how upset I was. She went downstairs alone to replace the bulb that had blown out. The red light wouldn't work for her, even after plugging it back in and flipping the switch. Still, she removed the grate and took it down at my request. A few days later, I'd almost forgotten about what had happened. I got a little nervous doing laundry, but with the red light off the wall, I was able to convince myself that Molly was right. We were safe. Jesse was once again down for his afternoon nap, and Molly was working. I was watching daytime TV and unpacking boxes when there was a sudden, loud knock on the door. I turned the TV off and wiped off my hands, getting quickly to the door. But there was nobody there. I hadn't seen any kids around the neighborhood, but I don't know. I guess I assumed it must have been a joke. I shut the door and went back to the boxes. I was busy and stressed, and it was kind of easy to just put it behind me. But then, a little while later, it happened again. I rushed to the door without missing a beat, but once again there was no one there. I stepped out onto the front porch and took a long look in each direction. No one. I went back inside and decided to check on the baby. He was gurgling in the crib, so I picked him up and walked around with him for a bit before I sat down with him in the rocking chair. Before I knew it, we had both dozed off. Another knock and it was loud, but I was upstairs far from the front door. How could it have been? My heart sank as I realized the sound hadn't come from the front door. The knock came from the bedroom door that I didn't remember closing. Molly, I asked. Nothing. My heart was throbbing and my mouth was dry. I gently put the baby back in his crib and took a cautious step toward the door. Molly? I nearly screamed and rushed to lock the door. Falling to my knees, I looked through the crack into the hallway. But there was no one there. I stayed locked in that room with Jesse until Molly got home. I was too scared to do anything else. 
Molly suggested having my mother come stay for a few days, but I knew I was ready to leave. She wouldn't have it. Babe, it's just the sounds of an old house settling. You'll get used to it. As always, she was able to calm me down. I plan to start spending our days away from the house, running errands or visiting the park. The less time in the house without Molly, the better. But only a bit later, we were watching a movie on the couch when... We were both startled by a large thud directly above us, like something heavy had hit the floor hard. This was Jesse's room. Without saying a word, we bolted up the stairs. We could hear the baby shrieking. As we opened the door, I expected Jesse's crying to get louder, but it remained muffled. The bright moonlight came through the windows and the heavy antique curtains had been torn down, left in a tall heap on the floor. The crying was coming from inside the pile. We threw everything aside, digging towards the sound before Molly pulled Jesse from the curtains. Thank God he wasn't hurt, but it was enough of a scare. Molly finally agreed. She'd call Mr. Hart tomorrow and discuss our options. The three of us slept together in one room that night with all the lights on. The next day, Molly was busy trying to reach Mr. Hart and sort out missing a few days of work while I repacked the boxes that I had unloaded. The baby never left my sight. Of course, we cared about the money we'd lose in rent, but it was more important for us to feel safe. I found myself terrified to do anything in that house. We'd gotten a moving truck and Molly planned to stay in a hotel while Jesse and I went back home to my mother's for a bit. Anything was better than there. Jesse needed his teething ring, which we'd left upstairs. I didn't want to go upstairs alone, but I couldn't pull Molly from the phone and it would only take a second. I grabbed a box of Jesse's things and stepped towards the door, but tripped and fell hard, spilling baby clothes onto the large throw rug that covered the original floors. A few of the rooms had rugs like these when we moved in. Somehow, the rug had gotten bunched up. As I bent over to fix it, I instead decided to pull it up, walking backwards towards the center of the room. In the middle of the floor was a large, deep brown stain covering the floorboards, exactly where we'd found Jesse the night before. I dropped the carpet and ran down the stairs to get Molly, but she didn't acknowledge me. She was staring at something confused. After a few moments, she turned to me and handed me a check. The check she'd written for Mr. Hart on the day we met. It had never been cashed. It had never left the house. Standing in the sun by the truck, I felt a massive sense of relief knowing I'd never have to go inside again. As we loaded up the last of our things, a neighbor I'd never seen made his way down the street toward us. I never got the chance to come and introduce myself, and you're already on the way out. I know, I'm so sorry, I said. We've had a last-minute change of plans. I was honestly surprised to see anyone come into the place, being forward with you. I asked him to elaborate. His wife. She was old and sick, bedridden. But she hated relying on him for everything. She wanted to open the curtains and let some light in, but she couldn't reach him on her own. She pulled over a stool and stretched for the corner when... Her husband knocked on the door. It scared her so bad they say she fell face first toward the floor, smashed her whole face in. The worst part? Her husband somehow didn't hear a thing. So he assumed she was asleep. He went downstairs and made dinner while she bled out on the floor. Do you know which room this was? She had the room upstairs, in the front of the house. His eyes lifted to the windows of the room that, until today, had belonged to my infant son. I felt sick. Thanks for telling me, I said. That poor old man, it's so terrible. But I wish he had mentioned all that to us when we met him. The neighbor looked back at me like I had lost my mind. You couldn't have met him, he said. The night he found her, he hanged himself in the same room. Mr. Hart has been dead for months.
Knock Knock, written by Brian Renaud, told by Angie Campbell, featuring Shannon Lee Weber and Erin Holland. <laughs>